You should see our excitement when we realize there's a new podcast review. We both do little happy dances. Shout out to Aaron for leaving us a review. They said, I look forward to this each week. This is my first ever podcast review, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. Hannah and Morgan are relatable hosts, and I find that they are right in sync with addressing the topics that I frequently have questions about in my private practice. I feel less lonely after listening and feel more empowered to take on all uncomfortable things that come with being a business owner. Their transparency about their own highs and lows are a highlight for me. I so value this authenticity, especially in the weight inclusive space. I truly look forward to each episode dropping on Mondays as it has become a part of my self-care routine. Thank you so much, Aaron. If you are also loving our podcast, be sure to head over to Apple podcast and leave us a rating and review. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians, to building a cohesive brand, to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight inclusive business the good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we are on a mission to bring business education to other weight inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, and welcome back to the pod. Today, Hannah and I have two of our favorite humans on the pod, Whitney Trotter and Angela Goins, to chat about what it was like hosting the first ever BIPOC eating disorder conference, and really just the ins and outs of hosting a virtual conference all around, because we know that that was no small undertaking. Whitney Trotter is duly licensed as a registered dietitian, nurse, and yoga instructor. She has over 10 years of experience working as a registered dietitian, serving the HIV and AIDS community, as well as working in the eating disorder fields. Whitney also previously worked at a level one pediatric trauma center as a pediatric emergency room nurse. In addition to working as a dietitian and a nurse, she has served as a member of her county's rape crisis center. Her work at the Rape Crisis Center equipped her to co-found an anti-trafficking organization, Restore Core, where she now provides medical training to the community focusing on human trafficking response. Her career in the eating disorder field includes being a former nutrition and nursing director of a residential PHP and IOP center. She's also the founder and owner of Bluff City Health, a private practice specializing in bridging the gap in the eating disorder field of equitable care and social justice. She also provides clinical supervision and consultation for clinicians. What doesn't Whitney do? Holy shit. That was incredible. (laughs) So much going on. Angela Goins focuses on creating awareness and actively offers education, support, and treatment for people of color whose experiences have typically been dismissed or overlooked. As a registered and licensed dietitian for nearly two decades, Angela has dedicated her entire career to the mental health field. Her experience of working in all levels of intensive programming and outpatient services for eating disorders, chemical dependency, depression, and anxiety have given Angela great exposure to the entire continuum of care. Experiences include program development, facilitating support groups, motivational interviewing, individual counseling, mentoring, meal support, precepting, and conducting educational training. She currently owns a private practice, Rooted Nutrition Services, which offers individual nutrition counseling, clinical and peer supervision, as well as consulting. Woo! Man, we got some multi-passion entrepreneurs all around. Let's dive into our conversation with Whitney and Angela. 
Hi, Whitney and Angela. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Pod. Hello, hello. Hi. We are so excited you're here. This episode feels so special to me because it was an absolute honor to get to have a very minor role in supporting y'all's conference. And so getting to, you know, I kind of know the back end a little bit, but I'm so excited for everyone else to hear about all of the ins and outs of planning and executing a conference because it is no freaking joke. Well, one Morgan, I would not call what you did minor. So <laughs> uh, you played a big role in helping us. Yes. Yeah. And Anna, your support was so invaluable. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're, we're so grateful for, for y'all and, and dedicating so much time in order to bring this much needed conference to the eating disorder community. And so kind of guides us into our first question. How did the BIPOC eating disorder conference come to be? How'd y'all connect? How did it happen? You want me to start, Angela? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, well, we are very good uh, Zoom friends. We are, you know, great virtual friends. This was yes. bound to happen. But no, this is Whitney's like brain baby, brain child. So you should go first. Absolutely. No, I, this, this conference would not have happened without you. Um, oh, gosh, where do I don't even know where to start, honestly. I think it was like February, maybe I, so I just had a really traumatic, um, personal experience. And after that, I had to start school back within three weeks. And I just was like, I did not know how that was going to happen. Like I just emotionally was done. And a good friend was like, what do you think that you need? And I was like, I need the biggest ultimate, like cognitive distraction, like to get through this period of like grief and trauma. And she was like, okay. And I was like, I'm going to plan a conference. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to plan a BIPOC EV conference. And she was like, okay. She was like, well, I can't help you. And I want to support you uh, with that. And I was like, I'm going to call Angela. And I'm going to convince Angela to do a conference with me. <laughs> um, so I can't remember if I emailed or called, called you, Angela. But I was like, I really need you. To you call me. You call me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I called me. I was like, I need to do this. Will you help me? And then here we are. <laughs> and it was. And I didn't need a lot of convincing. I didn't. I mean, it was. I was like, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. she. Angela was so great because she did talk me out of it first. I wanted it to be in May, um, and I think I called you like. February or March and you were like no no and then we landed on July which was good which was good it gave us more time but yeah oh my goodness I feel like that's how some of the best ideas come to life that's how this podcast started with Hannah and I were just talking and we're like we have a lot to say let's start a podcast so I imagine there's probably a piece of that too that where you're like this is so needed we need to we need to amplify other people's voices in addition to being a support for for you as well can you give us a rundown on I'm going to say all of the things that happen behind the scenes. I feel like if you list everything, that'll take up uh, like a full hour. (laughs) But what, what were some of the the major things that were going on behind the scenes leading up to announcing it, leading up to opening registration and then actually hosting the conference? Okay. So we, we probably did not do it the traditional way. Uh, (laughs) We both had no experience in creating such a large scale conference. Um, so we maybe, you know, released certain information first, or, you know, we were planning speakers before we even knew how long the conference was going to be or what days or, 
you know, we maybe reversed the order a bit, but we had, we pulled it all together beautifully. So, uh, you know, there, there probably is a, a, a better way systemically, like a systematic way of doing things. Uh, we did not do it that way, but the way we did it certainly worked for us. Um, but right away, we, we knew we had to pick the date. It, it was maybe a one-day conference that became a two-day, became a three-day conference, yes. which we landed on and love, but that constantly shifted. We knew we had to pick some important people to support us and do some things that we didn't have between the two of us. Let's just be honest. We do have a lot of skills. We have a lot of contacts. We have a lot of years of in this field. And so, you know, but we're still two people and that's that also have full-time jobs and families and things outside of this. So we knew we needed support. So Morgan really was one of our first peeps that we reached out to. Morgan has some beautiful skills we do not have and we needed and was also willing to just jump on board blindly and assist. So we knew we needed a website to put stuff out there to help people um, find us as we slowly released information uh, <laughs> and figured things out along the way. And Morgan was like 100% on board and also was like always available to meet with us and talk through certain things with us and um, really had a lot of guidance having done conference and things, conferences like this before. So Morgan was one of our first people to really come aboard and, and help out. Um, Diversify Dietetics um, also offered us, found some great um, interns for us. And then we just kind of searched for a few other like holes in sort of our skill level or things we might have needed support or help with. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Whitney and I did a, a good chunk of things uh, on our own and we met a lot. We talked a lot, um, maybe five, 10 times a day <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> It was fun though. We we definitely had a lot more on our plate some sometimes, uh, and uh, we would pass along to other people if we could. But we would sort of figure it out um, along the way. So that additional timeline I think was really helpful. All the speakers, um, panelists, like people involved in the conference, were just so grateful and supportive and helpful as well. Um, so we definitely, um, oh, I should shout, give a shout out to the Alliance as well. The National um, Eating Disorder Alliance took a big role uh, of support for us in helping um, with our credentialing, um, or I'm sorry, not our credentialing, our continuing education credit for the various boards. Like we know nothing about the therapy boards and the social work boards, and they were able to really jump in and um, assist with that. And they do conferences all the time. So their support was invaluable. Um, and they just kind of took that over and, and did a great job. So what am I missing, Whitney? I think you did it all. It was, uh, yeah, it was a lot. I'm not going to lie. Angela was being modest. Um, I kept calling all of the people that we knew that were friends and asking them to, <laughs> to speak. And that's how we got a three-day conference with six screen recordings. Um, but yeah, it was, we wanted, we didn't know if this was one when I was like dreaming about this and talking with Angela in the first like early stages, we didn't know what was going to be the buy-in. So we had no money to start with. We did not know how we were going to do this conference. We didn't know how we were going to pay people. We didn't even know if we were going to get sponsors. And so I think that was really hard um, of figuring out, okay, like we want to pay people because we know what it's like doing conferences in the ED world and not getting paid. But yeah, that was, it was a lot. It was a lot. Thinking back on it now, I'm like, how did we do all that? Um, 
but just so grateful for all the speakers that like the first 10 people I talked to to speak, I was like, I don't know that we can, that we can pay you, but like, will you do this? And they were like, absolutely. And so I just feel so grateful for that. I think that's a, uh, important to add to like, we were just cold calling people asking for support in terms of sponsorship. And a lot of people stepped up. And I think once the word got out, we also had an intern build us a beautiful, um, you know, Instagram page as well to kind of keep up to date with our, our new, I don't know, our new information and, and speakers and things like that. But <clears throat> that's tough when, you know, it takes money to run a conference and we don't have any, but we're like making, we made a lot of promises <laughs> and hope that we could fulfill them. Um, and a lot of people gave their time honestly for free and, and said, whatever you can do, I'm, I'm on board. So it was, uh, it was uh, a little scary at first, that's for sure. And it's so, also like a dilemma to think about who we want to accept support from. You know, I think a lot of people want to jump on board genuinely. And some people really want to give support for the acoustics of it all or for the appearance of it all and just say they engaged or they participated. And, you know, we kind of had to like, weigh that like ethics and morals and like also having no money and so uh, I think that was a, a bit challenging at times too and we felt like maybe it was more performative than actually genuine and um, that can be really challenging because you need funding to to do something like this like a lot of funding to do something like this and we definitely I mean Whitney already said this but wanted to pay people um, what they're worth and make sure we provide appropriate value for people's um, presentations and and support. So that was tough at times. Oh my gosh, you just covered so many things that I want to ask so many follow-up questions to, but I'll keep it a little bit tight. I first want to just say like, and normalize for everybody. Sometimes you just got to like dump out your bag and like see what all's in it and then just start doing stuff. And we're a big fan of flying by the seat of our pants around here. So we totally understand the we don't know what we're doing. We're just kind of doing and seeing what we can figure out. And it wasn't fucking efficient at all. Um, and it sounds like, I mean, that's the scramble you have to do, especially for the first time of putting on something at the scale that you guys did as well. So on my end of things where I wasn't on the back end, everything looks like it went so effing smooth. So you could have fooled me that you'd done this a hundred times. Truly. It was such an incredible conference. And then the other piece that I wanted to speak to is Whitney, when you were speaking kind of about how the conference started and coming from this place of having a lot of big feelings and wanting to put it towards something. I love that this was a way to channel your energy and do something meaningful um, and just feel that just like the, the peace and accomplishment of doing something so important with that energy. And I just think that was beautiful. And then finally, from me on the performative part, I, I wondered about that a lot. And that's such a hard place to be in and just hold like, we really need this money to make this thing happen. And we always talk about living and working in our businesses in alignment with values here on the pod. And that's definitely like such a, a a tedious point of contention to, to balance. And, um, I mean, you guys did the thing and did a good job of navigating that. And that's also really hard to think that that's a regular thing you have to do when somebody's 
wanting to support your work, doing the labor of, is this performative or is this genuine? And that fucking sucks. Yeah, it was a lot. It was, uh, I, I mean, I know Angela and, and Morgan can speak to it too, because Morgan had to hear all my gripes. I mean, it was a lot. Like it was, I think it was hard because at first we only had three, and Angela, correct me if I'm wrong. We only had like three sponsors, but they were like big sponsors. Yeah. Um, but then like, as we kept emailing people and asking for more support, but what was hard is like, so much of our time too, like Angela and I both have young kids. We have families. We both own, like run our own private practice. Um, we had to keep meeting for with people and convincing them to support the first ever BIPOC, like multiple sponsors. We had to like zoom with and call. And that was really hard as well. Um, and how about the people that decided to jump on board, but like two months later? after our meeting, like once they maybe saw, okay, this is taking up steam, or maybe they saw who some of the other sponsors were, I don't know, but, but much later post meeting or requesting, Mm -hmm. then they want to jump on board. Mm -hmm. So that was a little bit frustrating or concerning. It's like, what could we have done differently? Or how could we and and I get that we're coming at you from scratch, like we don't even have like much to present to you dates maybe and our ideas but we don't have much to go with so maybe it's a little bit unsure for someone to you know sponsor something that's just fresh off the ground but like we 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 believe in ourselves we trust each other we we knew it was going to be great however you you know it's, it's a lot of work to convince other people to like buy into that and I think that small clinics small business like uh, individually owned, like dietitian businesses, therapists, mm-hmm. like people in our little niche came strong. Like they were all yeah. for it. They saw the vision and they believed in us. I think what, like, for sure, I think maybe the treatment centers or, you know, some larger organizations who probably distribute their funds to many places held off quite a bit. But mm-hmm. I mean, we had such like grassroots support. Yes. I know you might look at that and be like, they had so many sponsors. Well, you know what? That was really important. That was so important for certain people to engage and like connect with their mission and our mission and vision and support it, whatever amount that was. We were willing to like, we wanted that. We needed that like grassroots uplifting from people, um, as small or as big as they wanted to contribute, but like that. Most people were like, hey, this is all I can give, but what? let me know what I can do. Like people were also willing to help. So Absolutely. yeah. What kind of information did people need in order for y'all to like convince them? A lot of the treatment centers wanted um, like the email contact. So it was like, if we sponsored, they wanted something in return. And like Angela knows how I am, like, that is not how I operate. Like I fully believe in like transparency and consent. And I'm not going to sell people who register for our event or speakers emails. Like I'm just not going to, that's not what I'm going to do. So it was a lot of like negotiation. It was like, what am I going to get for this? Like, what do we get out of it? Um, one treatment center wanted to know if we were going to have their people speak, <laughs> like, <laughs> they were going to sponsor, but we had to be willing to like, you know, have somebody from their organization speak. And I mean, it was, it was a lot. It, it, it like Angela said, I cannot stress the importance of the grassroots efforts because if it had not been for 
like um, Denver Iodette, Hannah, Marcy. Yeah, like the private practices, we couldn't have done a conference because we did not get the big treatment centers donations till like July. Some of them didn't even come in until July. Yeah. Like the month of the conference. So it was, it was a lot, (laughs) Um, but yeah, a lot of negotiating what we were going to give in exchange for sponsorship. Um, I'm trying to think of what else Angela like. Well, I think that's the norm. I think that oftentimes, especially the higher amount or higher levels, and we had four tier levels, which we thought were reasonably priced. We went high on the top one, hoping we would get like one big center. We weren't thinking that was going to be one individual by any means, but Hey, let's shoot big because they could have all the excitement and, and have their name over every, you know, we, we had, we, we had little to promise, but we had, we still had like significant things to to give. So, you know, we gave away, um, you know, advertising, we had the social media piece, um, free, like member, like the more you, um, sponsored, we had more, um, people that you could bring on or you could donate to students mm-hmm. or other clinicians um, who were BIPOC or who, who couldn't afford it. Um, so, you know, we had quite a few, we ended up having an exhibit hall where people could do giveaways and people could share their business. Like we tried to do all that we could. And so maybe it's the norm to like, Hey, I'm going to give money. I want something in return, but we just didn't have those types of things to give, nor were we, again, ethically or morally feeling like that was appropriate. This, these were like this were protected spaces for us with people that we were, yeah, friends with or made promises to. We weren't going to like do that to people that just we weren't going to sell out from the start just because. So I think we made a lot of wise moves. We had to say a lot of no's, which was not all that uncomfortable. We just had to say no. It's like a like a telemarketer. It's like I told you no. You like you gotta do it seven times or something before they back off. Uh, that that was the case. <laughs> we want your support, like genuinely, and we're not gonna. Here's what we have to offer you. You know, and these five things seem pretty amazing. And and if you want more, we just can't do that right now. So. Yeah. You remember the treatment center? Um, we're gonna even may, re- may remember this too, but. Angela, you remember the treatment center that wanted to create their own sponsorship tier? <laughs> I think that was the wildest thing. Yes. Like, yes. there was a treatment center that legitimately, you know, Angela had did a beautiful job on crafting, like, our um, uh, sponsorship tiers. And so we sent that out. And we had a treatment center come back and said, we would like to create our own tier. And then they wanted to know if they just registered people, if that could count towards sponsorship. And so it was things like that, that were just so, and again, maybe this is the norm. I don't know. This this is our first time doing a conference, but I was just so shocked. I was so shocked by some of just the requests that we got uh, during the conference. It sounds like there was a lot of boundary setting that had to happen on your guys's end, which makes sense as you're talking it out. But when I think of conferences, that wouldn't be the first thing that I would think of, but it, it is truly like you start to gain momentum and bring attention to what you're doing. And then you have some sleazy things come in where you're just like, no, absolutely not. If you want to create your own sponsorship tier, you can pay a hundred thousand dollars. That is one we will accept. (laughs) Perfect. Exactly. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And you'd be surprised and, and we don't need to talk about like numbers per se, but like for like low level sponsorship, people thought that they could do top level stuff. 
Like, and, and knowing that the resources they possessed were so much more and they can choose to do with them what they want. But we're talking about, again, grassroots, small clinics, one, two clinician, uh, one or two dietitians or therapists working together, giving their all to us mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and believing in what was about to be created. And so it just was very easy for us to, to hold those boundaries, I think, or to set them. Holding mm-hmm. them was maybe a different story, but like, yeah, we're, we're just not going to like fold. That was, that was probably something I hadn't expected, but um, at least we were aligned in that. And that just didn't make sense. I mean, I think that would have been so transparent for people attending and people watching that unfold to see that if if we had given into that, it would have been so obvious or passed along people's email and you start getting flooded with emails. People would have known. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely incredible to see the number of like smaller clinics, group practices that supported this. And it, I mean, it makes total sense. Like you have people that while they may not be able to afford one of the higher sponsorships, like, like you mentioned, Angela, like they're giving their all, like they are there and they're like, no questions asked. Like I'm here to support. So it's like, why would you accept anything different from anyone else? Yeah. Like there's a group of North Carolina dietitians that got together and like each did like a hundred and hundred and fifty dollars and ended up donating like eighteen hundred. And it was like that was so meaningful. Oh, like amazing. You know, like so, so meaningful that they did that. But they were like, we want to support, this is what we can do. We had one person like do like, you know, would pay like a hundred dollars, you know, and uh it like it that's the kind of stuff that just means so much to us. Yeah, that's a good point, Winnie. We had a lot of people who were like, I can't give a lot, but I want to give something. And we're just giving Mm -hmm. random amounts in in support. And of course, attending, that was, of course, the biggest way I think people could support. Mm -hmm. We try to make those tiers in a way. I I mean, I think when we created all of that, we didn't even know how much the conference was going to cost. It's pretty standard to have like a $30 per credit expectation, if you will. And we actually dipped below that. And of course, we had early bird pricing as well. So you were getting quite a bit of uh, credits from four different boards for attending. And it's a pretty reasonable rate. We tried to try to stay within that. But even if you had donated and tried to make it so close to even registration where maybe it was just a a, a couple, I don't even remember all the details, but slightly over what registration would be, but then your registration was free. So we really tried to like think of that from the bottom tier level. And I think that's where we had the most success is just smaller, again, smaller donations and just coming out pretty strong from from people in our, our world. Um, but we had a lot of people, I mean, certainly dietitians and nutrition professionals or eating disorder professionals, but you'd be surprised. We, we were looking through some of the data Morgan sent over, like there's people from all disciplines, doctors mm-hmm. prescribed, like we had a lot of people, lots of students, mm-hmm. a lot of disciplines were very curious about the work we're doing and, or want to incorporate more of this into the work that they do. And the places they work, some big universities also sent quite a bit of teachers or students. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of a surprise to us because we didn't even have time to hit up schools. That was an idea on our mind to like connect with colleges and nutrition programs and therapy programs. And we just didn't have time to do that. And we still had a huge turnout from colleges and students. So that was nice. Mm-hmm. It's so cool to see all of the disciplines come, come in together and and all want to learn. It may be something we've already talked about, but what do y'all feel like was the biggest learning curve in hosting the conference as, as conference newbies? Oh gosh. 
what was the biggest learning curve? You know, I'm, I'm not good with technology. <laughs> um, I, it's just not a gift that I possess. I think that the tech piece was hard. It, there was so much that had to go in behind the scenes to make this conference happen virtually. So that to me was the biggest learning curve. Yeah, I don't know. Angela, what are, you, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I would probably agree. I think if on the front end, I think I heard Hannah say this earlier, it looked like it ran really smooth. There was so many like T's that had to be crossed and I's that need to be dotted along the way, like every day during the conference itself, prior to the conference. Mm-hmm. Like, there was so many like getting out the links. I mean, a, an in-person conference is one thing, but it may seem like it's more simplified to do virtual. And I just can't imagine that that's the truth. There are so many things that have to align. We have to get the ASL interpreters in the room. We have to get the speaker in the room. We have to get everybody set up, get the presentation lined up. Like, And you have to do that boom, boom, boom with only 10 or 15 minutes in between and an eight-hour day. Mm-hmm. Like there is, That's the three days of, but all that was required beforehand and even Morgan's end of things with the website and constantly updating it and changing things and making sure people's names and credentials and bios are correct and the times are correct. Oh my gosh, we don't want people taking the wrong days off if we don't have like the schedule appropriately up. And we just had a lot of moving components. Well, we had, you know, the speakers and the hosts and kind of the common uh, stuff that you would think of. We had so many behind the scenes people and things going on and yet we were you know working with zero to no budget so we only had limited resources as well we had beautiful we had i already said this the asl interpreters but we also had a poet we had an opening speaker we had lots of other like non-clinical people join in that just really were in support of what we were doing and wanted to be part of um the actual days of so yeah a lot of moving pieces (laughs) so the tech stuff was uh a challenge. We had a wonderful platform. I'm sure all of you, if you attended, know the CEGO platform was a real saver because everything is like done in one space and also collected, you know, all the recordings and such are in one space um, as well. So that was helpful, but there's still all of the, the little details to get it up and running. I appreciate you sharing like it entails this and this and this and this, because what we kind of see is that tip of the iceberg of we show up, we see the speakers, we're like, this is fucking awesome. But everything that you guys did was so intentional and thoughtful. I'm glad you mentioned the ASL um, folks coming in because I noticed that during the conference and I was like, how fucking kind and how often we've been to conferences in the eating disorder space that are supposedly inclusive, social justice oriented, like wanting to be accessible for all kinds of people. There was no ASL interpreters. Yeah. And yeah. so you guys thought of every little detail of all the kinds of folks that would be joining. And I just thought it was so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We were trying to figure out how to be inclusive and accessible, even like from, you know, we wanted to have somebody who is trans, right? And to really speak, we wanted to make sure that it wasn't just a bunch of white passing or light skinned people up there, right? We wanted to make sure that it wasn't, we we didn't have only able-bodied presenters or, you know, and so I learned so much. Like one of the presenters um, who spoke on the disability justice, I mean, even the feedback of how we were asking for things was not, 
accessible. We we got feedback of what was it, Angela, like doing Word instead of PDF because it doesn't. Yeah. And I know Angela, you can speak to that a lot because Angela had to submit. <laughs> no, Angela had to handle all the communication with the CEU stuff because I I could I was like I'm gonna lose my mind and we're not gonna have conference. Um. So yeah, Angela could speak to that, but even like that was a learning curve and we learned so much of like how we need to be more accessible and inclusive with just asking for things from presenters. Cause, um, we didn't know, you know, we didn't know. Um, yeah. I hope I don't mess this up, but I do want to say it live because I think it's important. What we had learned too, is that word is much more accessible as some of the computer programs for like reading or blowing up a script or like PDFs do not operate well with some of the additional, um, features that that somebody may need to use and and um there's you know narrative speakers versus people who they're just going to get up and speak and kind of share what's in their thoughts based on maybe their bullet points or their outline and then there's which is much easier to do for some people who uh, may be neurodivergent or um you know that's just the way they that's just the type of personality they have that's the way they prefer to speak versus some people who really need their slides and like to follow along in more orderly fashion there's just different types of of ways of presenting and so asking for x y and z by a certain date is not always uh, the 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 most appropriate or effective for everyone in their style and so we did learn a lot and we you know we're not opposed to learning so that was great for us to even change some of the language that we were using and and learning that certain programs or certain features for things are not actually accessible for a lot of people or for everyone so while that may work for for some people that doesn't work for everyone and so having certain expectations and deadlines and requirements for which programs or which I don't know systems you use that that may not be the best for for everybody so um yeah that was great Thanks for sharing that. I one thing that I took away just kind of working on the back end was like the people were requesting slides beforehand, but y'all were wanting to protect the intellectual property of the speakers. And I was like, oh, I had never thought of that. It was awesome to see y'all put together the like lined paper, um, the dotted paper, the the blank paper in order to give people a way to like take notes from each presentation. And I imagine having a, a, a doc with like just the titles that they could people could type on would, you know, even learning from that would be, would be helpful. But yeah, just to mimic what Hannah said, like y'all's attention to detail in order to make this the most accessible in the moment and then continuing to, to learn, uh, is definitely, definitely very evident and very thankful for that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I would say that's the biggest, I don't want to say the word gripe, but probably the most feedback we got is people really wanted the slides and, um, Angela had talked and that was a priority from the beginning as we were not willing to disseminate intellectual property unless the speaker, um, Angela and I have been in situations where we've done PowerPoint presentations and then, um, somebody has stolen our work or they resold it after and made a profit and we didn't get money. And so, um, we wanted to, we wanted to have a stop date so that we weren't continually making money and not paying, uh, providers and speakers, um, and people couldn't access or take somebody's intellectual property um, without consent. We're just sad you have to worry about that, but. Well, we know that the conference was absolutely incredible. Hannah and I can vouch for it as, as attendees as well. And we're just so thankful for y'all. And it, there was a lot that went into it. How did the two of y'all take care of yourself after the conference was over? Cause I was imagine, I imagine there was probably like a pretty big kind of like letdown period. 
<laughs> so what did that look like for y'all? I don't know that we did the best. I think we both were, we continued to check in like, well, we didn't plan so well. Like that next week we had our full on regular schedules packed again. And I think it was like week two or three where we really were like, okay, we need a, we need this pause. We were talking about going and getting pedicures. We were talking about some downtime. We were talking about days off and we just worked so similar. (laughs) We had the same full schedules. And so at least for me, I was, I, I, I didn't come down from that. So I think that's important to think about too. I don't know that even if I had that week right after, I would have really been able to relax. I didn't come down from all of that until week two or three anyway. So it kind of landed well for me to be able to like take a deep breath a a little bit of time like post like I need I needed that I needed to just be back in like my work world and like just go 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 mode and then kind of like just break I hadn't sort of neglected or or paused on my you know outpatient caseload for a while and so it was nice to get some people back in after a few weeks of like pausing them and then take a break so uh, it worked for me. Maybe I would do it differently. Uh, but that whole, la- like, I don't know that I could have emotion- been prepared for that emotional, like, that was, a- that was like heavy. There was a lot to, um, to like work through. There was tons of congratulations. And I think when we had the success, that felt really good. Um, people were grateful and thankful. There were tons of requests for people who missed out and wanted to like buy in or buy a package for later and and watch all the recordings. They heard all the chatter. It sounded great. And we were like, we got to wait till next year. So there still was a lot of post follow-up and still um, thank yous we wanted to do. And we were so grateful. Um, So that, that week or two was maybe needed. I don't think I could have really relaxed the phone and emails were still, you know, going. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I had to step away. I took a few days and stepped away and like, just did resting, relaxing things for me. Um, and that was helpful. Uh, yeah. And I called Whitney a lot. Okay. I, we were like on the phone still all the time. <laughs> yes. I was so worried. I was like, okay, do we pay this person? Who do we have? Yeah. It was so much after. Um, and then we, we, I made the mistake of telling our five-year-old that she could get a dog. And so I called Angela the Friday, the conference ended, we got the dog at 10 30 that night. And I told Angela, I was like, this is the worst thing that I could have done. Um, I do not know why I did this. And so, yeah, we got the dog. She's a golden doodle, which is they're like super hyperactive. And so that was a lot. And then like Angela said, it's, it, you know, working in eating disorders, Angela and I tend to see like um, more high acuity cases. And so like we had taken the whole week off for the conference and like some people, it's just like, you know, it's hard to go two to three weeks without sessions. Right. And so that was hard immediately going back into that. Um, but people were so great. Angela sent me a cute, uh, lovely care package and people were so kind. Some people sent us some coffee. And, um, so that was just so sweet. Like the thoughtfulness, um, was really sweet, really, really sweet. But if I could do it again, I would take two weeks off. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) I hope. I hope the puppy snuggles at least made up for some of it. Probably not like the waking up in the middle of the night, but at least the snuggles when she's sleepy. It's like potty training. I mean, it's like potty training. It was, yeah. Angela, you alluded to it in your answer, but I think so many people want to know, do y'all have plans to continue this in future years? 
what do we say, Whitney? <laughs> <laughs> it's such a such a hard question. <laughs> well, I think it I think it's fair to share on this uh, breaking news on this podcast with these wonderful humans too that we we have the energy and the the excitement to to do it again I think it's needed and yeah Whitney you say more say more (laughs) we're we're just we're spilling the beans but like yeah absolutely I think I think the world needs it and we would love to be a part of it yeah I think I I just I learned so much and it was I mean I'm I'm still rewatching some of the stuff, like going back, you know, still. So yeah, I would love to get with my partner in crime again and, and do it again and see what topics and things we can get into. And I feel like there's just still so much to uncover in the ED world, you know? Um, but yeah, it just, it feels really important to have a conference like this. And I, I hope we can continue doing it. You guys filled such a gap of knowledge and inclusivity in our community and gosh, provided so much value and so much just heart and soul in the first one. We are so excited to see future ones and to be attendees. Um, You guys crushed it. Thank you. Absolutely crushed it. (laughs) We were, I was, I was hoping you would say that. I remember um, whenever Whitney, whenever you and I were in Denver, we were out to dinner and you're like, nope. And I was like, (laughs) get to the first one. You'll change your mind. I'm I'm happy. I'm happy y'all are reporting that. Uh, There will be, there will be a round two. Yes. Yeah. It was a lot. I'm not going to lie. It was a lot, but it was fun. It was fun. And the aftermath of all that, like just to see everybody's um, response and yes, you know what it was like for people to participate. Because it's one thing, I mean, we were there and viewed all the presentations too, but like on another level, right? We were kind of like scatterbrained and all of that and half doing, you know, answering questions in the chat and doing things behind the scene. And so, you know, to just have been a participant um, or a supporter or a sponsor, like I'm sure, um, you know, we just didn't know what it, the way it was going to come across for people. And it seems mm-hmm. to have been a wonderful turnout and a wonderful response. And that's certainly how we were feeling. So it's good to just like receive that back. <laughs> well, y'all are pioneers in this space. And I know this, uh, this first inaugural conference is going to for sure go down in history in the eating disorder world, all thanks to the two of y'all. I have one last question before we jump into our fun rapid fire questions that we did not tell you about, but I'm, <laughs> I'm curious just because we have so many um, folks who listen to our practice that are in their own businesses, own private practices, maybe want to do a conference one day and maybe don't know like the exact impact they can make. How many attendees did you guys have? How many people came? 586. Oh my God. 589. 589. 589. Okay. And our goal was a hundred. Yes. <laughs> a plus. A plus. Yes. I told yep. Angela, I was like, I just need a hundred. I just need a hundred <laughs> people to sign up. <laughs> wow, yep. that is impressive. Yeah. Hannah and I were Hannah and I were just talking yesterday about like having like a target goal of what we think is like this is where we can hit and then a stretch goal. And so, you know, hundred for a target goal. And I don't know what y'all stretch goal was, but the fact that y'all almost hit 600 is just shows how much this conference was needed. 
Yeah, it was wild. I mean, and we only advertised on Instagram and then in a couple of Facebook groups. So it, it really was like, I know we keep saying that, but it really was like a grassroots community effort, you know? Well, I remember whenever we, I mean, I'm pretty sure y'all hit a hundred in the first like week or week, maybe. I feel like and it then, was just a few days or yeah, maybe the first few weeks and we were like, oh, oh my gosh. And the, and the next biggest gap was like the last week. Like there was yes. like a flood of registrations. And in the last week we were just bombarded. We thought, okay, that'll be time where we transfer everything over and prepare. But we were so flooded with people wanting to sponsor and wanting to register in the last minute, like, yeah, last few weeks or two, like leading up. And someone had told y'all, I think someone had mentioned this to y'all. They're like, once y'all, once early bird registration jumps to full price registration to like not expect mm-hmm. a lot of registrations after that. And that was like the yep. anomaly. Like that was not the case with this one. Yeah. I was shocked. I, I was shocked. I think we had more, re- I, we have more people register after the yeah. early bird mm-hmm. than we did with the early bird special, which was shocking to me. <laughs> and we, we even extended that a little bit. We extended our early bird to just yeah. be sure like people had the chance to register and fair. And we kept our student pricing the same hundred percent across the board. We asked our student, our student interns, what could you afford? It was $20 a day and we just kept it there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't change that um, for students at all, but yeah, we had, gotten some like consultation advice around that and people told us to expect you know in the early bird that's probably about what your attendance will be and oh <laughs> boy was that wrong <laughs> in the best possible way <laughs> I appreciate the continuous reflection and naming of grassroots efforts of marketing and getting the name out about the conference because you know in the business space, when people are trying to, like maybe someone was trying to help someone start a conference, they're like, I'll be your business coach. And they might have these kind of, you know, reach out to these big corporations and do X, Y, and Z when it's like, no, you can hone in on the people who are in alignment with the work you do and support you. And I just kept thinking of this quote the whole time that you guys were speaking to grassroots. Um, Hopefully it's not a problematic quote. If it is, We will unpack that, but it's just the quote of, they tried to bury us and they didn't know we were seeds. Mm. Oh, that's a good quote. Y'all ready for some rapid fire questions? Sure. (laughs) Hit us with them. Hit us with them. (laughs) All right. Question number one. What was your favorite talk from the conference? Oh, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Which one made me cry the most? Doctor, the very first one, um, Dr. Rizzi, Dr. Rizzi. Thank you. Um, I I can't pick a favorite though. Um, that's my answer. Yeah. I was texting Angela. Like, I was like, damn, like I'm crying and it's the conference has only been going 10 minutes. I was on an emotional roller coaster. I was crying. I was laughing. I was crying. You know, that that one got me. Question two, when you're not working, what's your favorite thing to do? So I love to bike. My family and I, I bike the kids around. They have their own bikes. One is old enough to just learn how to ride without training wheels now. And so he's got his own little bike, but um, I pull them around and we do a lot of biking. 
Yeah, we love to hang. Usually um, we're either swimming or getting pizza or something, but we're a big like movie pizza family and we we like to well I don't but my husband and daughter like to be outdoors so I I sit in some shade and watch them (laughs) what are you currently reading especially if it's not work related oh I'm only reading school material right now so (laughs) oh I'm not reading anything right now I like I paused my audibles I like I have this stack of books. It was like overwhelming me. So I need just a minute away from, and to be honest, to be fair, most of them are like work related. So I just needed a pause for the rest of the summer to enjoy it. Um, So nothing right now. What is something that made you laugh in the last week? Trying to think of something that's appropriate to share on the podcast. (laughs) It's an explicit podcast. You're welcome to share whatever. Whatever you're comfortable with. I think, well, I was going to say, we, we send like each other pr- some pretty funny stuff or memes back and forth. It's been a while, but, um, the, probably the most recent is, is like something that my kids may say, we just went to the water park, which is like a whole nother level of like screaming and kids and just wild and cra- no naps and just crazy craziness. But they just had, we're so grateful. And my little son said, <laughs> he's only two and a half and he says, this is what I've always wanted, mommy. I was like, that's just, I mean, it was like warming my heart and it made me laugh because I just, we're not getting a water park in the backyard, but you know, it was so here. <laughs> what is one thing about you that surprises people? We were just saying this in conversation, but like, I'm a huge gardener, like half my background, half my backyard is like a giant garden. like. I am just probably the past like eight years, I've just like grown it to be more and more and more and more. And then I just cook with all that. And I just love that. That's probably part of why I'm a dietitian, but I just genuinely love cooking, growing the food, cooking it. It's amazing. It's fun. It's fun for the kids to like participate and family and have people over. And it was helpful in the pandemic when we had to do a lot of things outside. So I could spend time out there. And where I live in the Midwest, we don't have a lot of good, like we have one season. We have one sh- very short summer season. <laughs> the rest of the time is often cold. So uh, yeah, a big gardener. I would say having a dog. The people that know me in real life, they were all like, you have a dog? And I was like, yes, uh, we are not known as dog people. And so I would say that shocked a lot of our friends and family that we got a puppy. And our final question for y'all, what is the best thing that you've eaten this week? Oh, we just tried a new pizza place. I'm I'm pizza and tacos and sushi. Like that is my love and coffee, but coffee's not a food. That's my love language. So we just found um, a new pizza spot and they, so good. They use a hot honey glaze on the pepperoni. Yeah, it is so good. Oh, so good. I literally just had a pizza on Thursday that used a hot honey glaze and I'd never had it before. And it was delicious. Yes. Yes. So good. So good. Listen, we make a lot of things over here in this house and uh, hot honey is one of them. But Whitney had some of the bacon too. My husband from scratch. We've got a lot of good. That's making me second guess my, my, um, 
my favorite food, but I had this mushroom pappardelle uh, pasta, asparagus. It was so good. It was while we were out of town at this water park, but it was amazing. I'll give them, I'll give them that. So that was my favorite meal this week. Mm-hmm. Love it. Just As you we, can mail me some of the hot honey sauce. The bacon I'm that you sent me was amazing. I will. I'm trying to perfect it. I will definitely send it over for sure. <laughs> <laughs> New business idea. Yeah. yeah we're trying. trying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. As we wrap up, can you let the listeners know where to find you online and how the best way to connect with you is? Absolutely. So my website is www.whitneytrotter.com. You can reach out through there if you're interested in supervision or consultation. um, Or uh, my Instagram is whitneytrotter.rd. And I don't uh, currently have my website up right now, but it is my business is Rooted Nutrition Services. So that is the website once it's uh, revamped. And you can find me um, on Instagram as well at Rooted Nutrition Services. Um, You can also find me at therapy-mn.com where I also do um, uh, some uh, individual nutrition work there um, under or take insurance as well. And then I also do supervision and consultation. So you can connect with me there. Amazing. And then if someone wants to know details about the 2023 conference, where should they go to find that information? Stay tuned. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, Angela, what do you think? Probably uh, our the BIPOC eating disorder Instagram page. Yeah. Um, we'll probably release that. Um, that'll probably be how or where we release that information. Perfect. And we'll make sure that that is linked in the show notes so people can go give that a follow if they are not already following it. <laughs> thank you so much. Wow. Thank y'all. Um, any, any final parting words? <laughs> no, this was so fun. I'm so, I'm so glad that y'all um, invite us, uh, invited us on here. So. Yes. Well, thank y'all for taking time out of y'all's day. And um, we are super, super happy to to know y'all and get to chat with y'all and bring some more uh, business education to the weight inclusive business space. Yes. Yes. Thanks for all of your support. Thanks for listening to the weight inclusive innovators pod. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our podcast to add us to your queue every week, please leave us a rating and review and share with a friend to help us reach more weight inclusive business owners who could use support and pep talks. We'll see you next week. Bye.